0: Hello and welcome everyone to this mini episode of The Voices of e I'm your host, J.W. Marshall, and we're so glad that you found this episode. On this episode, we have a longtime friend of the podcast, Rebecca Stump. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much.
0: And we are in Dallas, Texas. We are. Uh, you're in from Philadelphia for some other meetings, and we thought we've got to get together. Um, we have a mutual friendship and respect on LinkedIn, um, sharing thoughts and commenting on each other's Uh, post and we thought wow we actually get to connect in real life and while we're here we should record um, a mini episode um, to give some holiday cheer to all of the teachers out there listening as well as others in education Um, and would love just for you to share a little bit of your story um, and then have a few questions for others that maybe are in a similar position that you were in Uh, before making the transition out of teaching and into the corporate world. Yes. Um, Some pros and cons, some things to think about. Um, But let's just start with uh, our favorite question that we always start every episode with. Uh, Who are you and what do you love about what you do?
1: Sure. So my name is Rebecca Stump, and I was an English teacher for 10 years. I went to college for education, got my master's in education, and I absolutely loved it for most of my journey. And then, like many others, found that it was no longer serving me in the way that I had hoped that it would. So I began my transition actually right before the pandemic occurred. And I started to try to get a new job and then the world ended. So that was put on hold. And then I spent all of my time focusing on making it through teaching in the pandemic. Once things began to normalize, I then decided to start my job search again. And I have now been in my job for four months, and I'm really enjoying the flexibility. I'm enjoying the different types of responsibilities that I've been getting. Um, And I've been enjoying the collaboration with other adults, which sometimes you don't always get in education. So yeah, I've been having a really good experience.
0: And you're a lifelong learner, as most educators are. Um, And how have you found the transition to really um, having to learn new things because I know sometimes in teaching either you kind of get in a, a teaching rut of the, teaching the same thing over and over or um, especially pre-pandemic uh, administrations might not necessarily Encourage you to learn new things and to to change things. It's a little more keeping with the status quo in the corporate world. You can find that as well, but you can also find a lot of opportunities to learn new things uh, early and often, especially starting a new position. How has it been making that part of the transition into um, having to kind of start learning again? Yeah. Um. And and what kind of uh, trajectory of lifelong learning do you feel like you're on now?
1: Absolutely. So you spoke very much to who I was as a teacher. Those were two of my biggest pain points and kind of what caused me to leave. And I think it was extremely humbling to go into corporate America because I felt like I really mastered teaching. And then I went into a job where I had the skills necessary to excel, but I didn't know the processes. And I didn't understand, you know, just the basics of how corporate America ran. And so from day one, it was a huge learning experience and just understanding how a larger company, how it runs, what the expectations are, the rules, and, and, you know, how to go about that. So that was extremely a huge learning experience. And then not only that, I actually had to learn how to do my, Job that I was hired for and everything was new from programs to even just I was using a different email server. And, you know, so it's just constant learning there. And now I'm at, you know, a, a baseline, baseline. Yeah. and I have a lot of room for growth. And they encourage us to continue to learn and explore. And whether it be through classes online or classes offered through my company, just to be able to kind of strengthen my skill set in order to make that next jump.
0: I love it. And let's work our way backwards. Um, uh, speaking to the audience that maybe um, teachers that have a new position lined up for January and are going to be transitioning. What advice do you wish you would have had four months ago as you were about to make that transition? Just um, what to be aware of and how to kind of hit it head on instead of uh, maybe you can lessen the learning curve a little yeah. bit for, for some listeners.
1: So what I would say is definitely be confident that you have something to offer. That's first. So I know that imposter syndrome was almost debilitating in the beginning for me. And I want educators to know that they are trained professionals and they have a lot to bring. So you were hired for a reason. That's number one. And just realize and recognize what you're offering. But then the second part is don't be afraid to ask for help because the people in whatever organization you're in, have been in it for months or years. And the things that they find easy and quick may be new to you and may be overwhelming. And it's, you know, they're hopefully very nice people. Mm-hmm. And so my number one piece of advice would be ask for help and early and often, because you don't want to be sitting there at your computer, wasting valuable hours, trying to figure it out on your own when it could be just a quick little question. And that shows them that you're motivated and dedicated to learn as opposed to being someone who doesn't know what's going on.
0: And you're engaged in the process. Absolutely. Um, and if you have picked the right company, people will be jumping at the yes, chance to, to help, help you, you. And that's going to help solidify your... Uh, confidence in making the right decision yes. and your path moving forward. Correct. Um, okay. So now let's take a step back from starting to actually finding the position, yeah. which I know a lot of our listeners um, uh, may be considering or in, in a search um, we're coming up on the holidays, which uh, educators will get a little bit of a breather um, to rest, nice. recharge the batteries spend time with family, but also potentially what are the, the steps they could take now towards finding something Maybe for the spring, but probably um, for the summer after the school year is going to end.
1: Yes. So what I would say is be realistic with your expectation on a time frame. So there are a lot of people looking for work right now, and it is unrealistic to think that your, your next job opportunity is going to come right away. It's also unrealistic to think that a lot of companies intrinsically understand the value an educator could bring to their company. So I just I want to set those realistic expectations. But then to give you some type of motivation, I think you do have a ton to offer. And as long as you're there and able to market yourself the right way, you will end up getting the job that you're hoping for. And suggestions would be to get on LinkedIn, which I know is weird for everyone that grew up in corporate America. But for educators, you don't need a LinkedIn. I never learned about it in college. I never needed it in my school district. But it is an unbelievable networking tool that can really broaden your horizons and be able to get you in touch with people that you would have never been able to get in touch with. So I would say first get on LinkedIn, start connecting with as many people as you can in a variety of jobs. So at at least for me, I had no idea what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a teacher my whole life. I got on LinkedIn and I didn't even know what to put in the job search. I just didn't know what was out there. So I began connecting with anyone and everyone that had a job that I potentially could be interested in. And why I recommend doing that is because every connection knows people who know people. And the minute that you can get into a person's network, they, and provide that value, they begin to think of you. And then they can talk to their friends and say, Hey, do you have a position for, and they, well, I don't, but this person does, you know, so it, the ripple effect is huge. On LinkedIn, I would recommend starting off in the comment section. So a lot of thought leaders are going Don't to be Don't feel
0: posting. the pressure to post.
1: Don't feel the pressure to post. Posting is intimidating. You get stuck in that rut of, oh, I didn't get enough likes. I didn't get enough comments. And what then, am I going to say? What am I going to say? What What do I have to offer this community? And especially in the beginning, the LinkedIn algorithm is not going to work in your favor. No. So what I would say is find people who you've connected with and begin showing up in their comments by either validating what they're saying, asking really good questions, adding value to what they're saying by you know bringing something new to the perspective. And that gets your name out. And then people see your name in the comments, and then they can comment on your comment. And it, it just allows you to reach a lot more people than even just your singular post would.
0: Yeah. And not necessarily just saying, Hey, nice post or thank you. (laughs) I'm trying to add at least a one-liner. like Hey, this is great. In my experience, I found that to be true or, you know, Hey, ask a question Mm -hmm. in the comments. People that do post do love getting real comments and getting interactions, not just a bunch of people to like, or say, Hey, great post. Right, They want to have some debate or some Mm -hmm. back and forth or some validation um, beyond just great posts, you know, that, you're connecting with it. And I've read recently that if you comment and have interactions, I think seven times with someone, they feel like they know you. So, and that's probably how we connect. We're commenting on each other. And it's like, then you move to like a direct message. And then it's like, Hey, we should talk sometime over the phone or zoom. And they say, you know, you've built a real connection and you've really tried to help someone and they've tried to help you. And here we are today, a year or so later, sitting and doing a podcast. Um, (laughs) what would maybe be a couple of things not to do? Um, And I'll start with one, um, which is uh, not venting to the world um, over and over. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you can do it once. uh, You want to be your authentic self. I'm frustrated with this thing. But if you consistently are complaining or venting, uh, everyone, including future employers, will see that and say, is this a negative person or is this someone that, you know, I may not want to hire. So what would be your advice to kind of navigate that? Um, how to be real, but maybe not too real. Um, you don't want to be fake and, you know, uh, try to over uh, overplay your hand of how great you are. Right. But you also don't want to, you know, come off as someone that is you know, not someone that would be fun to work with.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's, it's tricky because I see a lot of educators getting on LinkedIn. And then the first mistake they're making is they're only connecting with other educators. And although that provides a support system, and it does, you should connect with other educators, it funnels it into a LinkedIn that is only educators looking to get out of education. And if I'm currently looking to get out of education. I can't help you in your search because I am not hired, right? I I don't know the way. I'm trying to learn it and you're trying to learn it. And again, that offers a support system, but not guidance.
0: And potential competition. Absolutely. (laughs) for the same job.
1: (laughs) Right. So the first thing I would say is make sure that you're connecting with people that are aside from educators. So. Anyone that potentially has that job that you want or works at a company you might want to work for, those are the types of connections or thought leaders that you want to begin to create um, along with other educators. And like you said, not trying to echo it, but being a constant place to air your dirty laundry or to vent about how upset you are with Not even sometimes it's the education system, but most of the time they've even moved on from that. And it's the recruitment process or it's the fact that they're not getting hired and that they've had hundreds of applications out and yet no one wants to hire them. What I would say is you need to be aware that companies and recruiters are looking at that post and they're saying they're reading that hundreds of companies didn't want you. So how does that motivate them them to want to want you instead? And so. You know, I did apply to hundreds of companies before kind of understanding that there was a better way to go about it, but I would have never posted that because that, that can be my little secret. You know, I don't want companies to see me as someone that isn't valuable. And I think that's a very easy way to do it. Or additionally, any comments you make, any negative comments where a teacher will post something and you'll get on there and say, yeah, that's horrible. I can't believe they did that. That comment shows up in your activity. So a recruiter clicks on you, they click on your activity, and they see these negative comments coming through. It doesn't make you valuable. Whereas instead, if they go through and it's all you saying, wow, I found that really insightful. I loved that. Or, "Or oh my gosh, I agree, but here's a solution. Or being a person that is overcoming challenges, that's so much more you know, attractive. valuable and attractive. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and taking feedback and saying, I'm going to try that in my search shows that you're willing to try new things that you're willing to grow so there are some you got to know what that kind of uh, intangible message is that you're putting out there uh, in your post and in your comments even is really good advice um what advice would you have as far as the teachers that are are kind of losing hope and we want this to be a show of hope especially at the holidays Um, that, you know, maybe the window is closing for getting out of teaching, you know, here in the near term. But talk about the value of building those connections for kind of the long run to to build kind of deeper connections. Once you start getting a little bit of volume, which Mm -hmm. is important, um, how would you recommend finding either mentors or um, people really do want to help other people, especially yes. on LinkedIn, especially yeah. business people, helping teachers transition, especially in the tech world. Mm-hmm. Um, how to kind of build those deeper relationships than just um, what could be viewed as transactional. Yes. Um, like, oh, it's obvious I'm trying to use this person to get this job. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you kind of navigate those waters?
1: Absolutely. So when you get onto LinkedIn and you make a connection and then you, or you add them to your network, and then you instantly get into their DMs and say, hey, I really need five minutes of your time, it puts the person's back up because they feel used. They yeah. feel like the only reason you connected with them is so that you can take something from them, and that being time. So instead, I would recommend if I wanted to you know, have 10 minutes of your time, I would start by whenever you showed up on my feed, by being there in the comments to begin a discussion, begin a conversation, so that like you you said you and I have this dialogue back and forth and then three months down the line, it's a long game. Mm-hmm. So three months down the line, when I said, Hey, JW, I have a question. Is there any possible way I could grab five minutes of your time? You would already feel like I have given you that amount of time's worth somewhere else. Yep. So it's, you want to be there showing them that you do genuinely care about them you care about their success their well-being the things that they're doing and once you build that trust of oh they're they really are here for me then they're so much more willing to say of course i'll give you five minutes of my time which is the end game right yeah. and, and they even probably know that when you've asked them but, but you they feel better about it exactly you yeah. feel better about it because you it's now more of a relationship as opposed to just hey i'm asking for something from you. And you, you know?
0: have a little bit to talk about when you first yes. get uh, on the phone yeah. or the Zoom with them because you've commented and you've had some like, oh, I really that did points. like that. And, yes. and then you can get to business after that. Correct. Um, so there's LinkedIn 101 for yeah. everyone. <laughs> uh, didn't know we were going to go there as deep. But um, one more thing I want on this topic. How would you... Um, Advise those future job seekers to look at what are the key factors? And one that I think is often uh, overlooked is size of company. So, you know, it's just as important to know what kind of companies you don't want to work for Mm -hmm. as you do. And a lot of times that'll be easier to figure out at first as you kind of hone in and you don't want a shotgun approach to everyone. (laughs) But there is a difference. I want the audience to know this between a small startup, Mm -hmm. between a large corporation and then this big gray area in between of is this a fast growing company? Is this a more established company that's been around for a long time and for some teachers there's a better fit culture-wise with i'm always the teacher that wants to innovate and i'm being held back well maybe a smaller startup or a medium-sized company that's you know always putting out new products is a good fit if you are maybe a a more seasoned teacher and you're just looking for a more lateral transition to a a bigger company and kind of you know that kind of pace of a a company (laughs) um that's kind of one area i like to guide on. but are there any others Um, You can speak to that one or any other factors that um, a teacher just wouldn't know going into it as far as the types of companies they would want to work for.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll speak to that one first and then I'll move on. But I transitioned from being an educator who had a lot of latitude and freedom. I was if I needed to teach a lesson, I was allowed to make the worksheet. I was allowed to pull the article. I was given this massive amount of creative freedom. And then I transitioned into a company where it was a little bit harder to have that type of creativity because it was a well established company and they had different protocols which isn't bad by any means it's working they're they're very successful but it was a shock to my system it is very different so i would recommend if you are that type of teacher who loves to be creative and innovative and you know has that fast-paced environment, and you do really enjoy that grind, that perhaps a smaller startup who is trying to figure it out, who is going to be giving you a massive amount of responsibility and saying like, hey, go try it. And if it doesn't work out, let's iterate and try again. Whereas if you're the type of educator who really enjoys stability, you enjoy being given a task, how to do that task, and then you like being able to hand it in and be done, then a bigger company is exactly the right fit for you. You can go, you'll have a very clear set of directions, clear expectations, you do it and you know, and then, then you'll be successful. Other things to look for, if you really enjoy collaborating on as a team, I would recommend making sure to ask how much of your day is interaction with other people. For example, I know a lot of educators like to go into instructional design where they think. They want to go into instructional design and then you get into instructional design and you begin asking around and you realize it's a very solitary profession Mm -hmm. you do meet with someone to understand what they're looking for the subject matter expert but then you go back and it's you and your computer that's very isolating and if you're an educator you tend to be a highly socialized person Mm -hmm. so maybe that isn't always the best fit and i have i've had a lot of people in my network switch and say actually don't like it. It's too yeah. solitary. So that would be something to look out for as well. Um, like we said, but like the pace of work or the expectation, that's something that you want to look into, especially if you're exhausted as an educator and you don't like that fast movement. Other things to look for.
0: Well, I no, would just say there also sometimes can be the job within the job. So yes. being a trainer or being an implementation specialist, could have some elements of instructional design in yes. there, yeah. where you could still feed that, you know, that, um, you know, passion that you have without being a full-time instructional designer. Yes. That's kind of in the back room designing in a silo. So also really read those job descriptions um, because sometimes uh, the marketing manager position could have a thousand different companies could post marketing manager, yeah. and it is a thousand different job descriptions. So Correct. really look at the details of what kind of work they're looking for because there could be some of those things of jammed in there that you want to do like instructional design Mm -hmm. without having to be a full-time designer. Correct.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I would also recommend reaching out to someone at that company who, if you could, has that job. I remember doing that often where I said, Hey, I'm planning on applying for this. Could you let me know what you love about your job? What your day-to-day looks like? Like, can you give me some insight? And most of those people were very willing to do it because they're not a hiring manager. They're not a recruiter. They don't get these questions bombarded at them all the time. So it was a unique opportunity for them to share. And a lot of them are really open to it. So I think that's also a good suggestion is if you say, hey, I think I might want to work at this company, talk to people from that company and see if the culture fit is going to be right for you or what those expectations are going to be just so that you can go in knowing as much as, as you possibly can. And
0: get a feeling of, are they passionate about what they do? And, you know, is this a good fit? Because not only is the work important, but the people you're going to work with is important. And it is going to vary a lot more in the corporate world than in the school systems where everyone is kind of in it for the same reasons, kind of no matter what school or district you go to, there's some variance, but in corporate, there's a lot of variance based on size of company, based on the industry that they're in. Um, There's just a lot of variables. And so you can't talk to too many people at a company or in an industry right. to really get that feeling of, wow, I feel like I would be at home here yes. versus I'm just taking a job. Yeah. Um, we are almost out of time. Okay. So we want to do one more question. Okay. Uh, and then we've reverse engineered all the way back to those teachers that are still in the classroom yeah. and um, maybe they're not a hundred percent in a job search mode. Um, but what can they do now that we're coming out of this pandemic to make the teaching profession, what they wanted it to be before that they can, be proud to stay where they are, um, and and I often advise that you've never had more leverage as yeah. a teacher ever to innovate and do the things you think are best for your kids now. Because let's be honest, they're not going to fire you. Yeah. And if they do, the district next door is got a teacher shortage yeah. too, and they're going to hire you and probably pay you more money. So my advice would be take risks. Yeah. And for the betterment of all teachers, take it upon yourself to make the teaching profession what you think it should be yeah. within reasons. Don't be a uh, a rebel just right. <laughs> because, don't cause problems, don't mail it in and quiet, quit, right. but do what you feel like you need to do. And yeah. I think more administrations are opening up to, wow, we really got to work with our teachers to yes. really support them, give them what they need, listen to their ideas um, so that they don't leave us. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say take advantage of that, but leverage that. Yes. Um, any other advice you would have for, for those that are still in there and are maybe a little down for the holidays, yeah. <laughs> um, that they, they have an opportunity where they're at. Um, and final thought, inflation is coming, a potential yeah. recession is coming. It may not be the best thing to leave right now. Right. But if you're going to stay where you are, how do you make it better?
1: I think you have a perspective shift. So I left and there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss the connection I had with students. So I think my suggestion would be, instead of thinking about all of the things that are frustrating you about education right now, go into your day knowing that those children in front of you, you're making an impact. Maybe you're not getting to teach exactly what you want or the way you want, but you being there and giving them that energy, which is so exhausting, they need it, especially after the pandemic. Like Mm -hmm. you are serving a purpose in that child's life that no one else can serve and i think being just aware of the massive impact you have and how special that is that connection that you get to have with those children because they're not going to forget it they're they are in a fragile moment in their lives and you get to be the stability that they see every single day and that they can count on and i think i knew that as a teacher but i i didn't appreciate it the way that i can now looking back as an observer like you're so special and i think it's Even if no one else appreciates it, your kids appreciate it. And I think, you know, just keep that in mind.
0: And that's a really important message. Think about the things that if you did land that job tomorrow or next year, what would you miss and and disappear and and really appreciate those while you do have them because, Um, you can transition, you know, at at any point, you don't know when that will come. So I I like the idea of really appreciating being thankful, uh, for what you do have and the impact you are making while you're making it, knowing that this may not go on for another semester, another year. Right. Um, so really kind of cherish that, um, instead of dread it.
1: Yeah. Cherish Um, it and make sure that it's only your job and not your life. I knew, I, I know I took a ton of stuff home and I did it on the weekends and I think, kind of setting up realistic boundaries that say, I'm getting paid to be here from seven to three. I'm not getting paid to be here from seven to six or right. to go home. Three to and, seven right. To exactly. Exactly. Um, it would, will also just help like appreciate the time that you're in there and then make sure that you really focus on your life outside of teaching as well.
0: Take care of yourself Yeah, absolutely. and continue to take care of yourself if, and when you make a transition.
1: Yes. Very All important. Right.
0: Well, this is all the time we have for this mini episode. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. live in studio. Yes,
1: thank you for having me. We
0: will have you on again. Congrats on your transition. Thank Good you. luck in your continued success. Thank you. And uh, where can people follow you?
1: Yes, so I am active on LinkedIn. It is Rebecca Stump. so just my name. Um, and feel free to send me a connection request. I accept all transitioning teachers or just teachers in general. So.
0: Perfect. Yeah. All right. That's all time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining another episode of the Voices of E-Warning. We love your comments and interaction with us um, and uh, remember to always, always keep learning.